Good morning, everyone, and welcome to the 7 a.m. Eastern Time Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Amy G., and I am a recovered compulsive overeater from Maryland. Today's date is Tuesday, March 8, 2022. Today we are reading from the Big Book, and we are in the forward to the second edition, page XVIII, starting in the first paragraph. In the spring of 1940, John D. Rockefeller gave a dinner, ending in AA had become a national institution, focusing and unpacking that one paragraph only. Today's readers are, and thank you to Awesome Team Tuesday, Jen A., Crystal P., Dara L., Leila L., Mary Lou G., and our newcomer greeter, Terry C., announcements, Janice P. M., and the host for the second hour, Esther C., Today, oh, oh, yesterday's reference numbers are for Monday, March 7th, the 7 a.m. meeting, 18,642, that's 18642, and the 10 a.m. meeting is 18,643, that's 18643. OA preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for membership for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose. OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose to carry its message to the compulsive overreader who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask for Leila L. to read the 12 steps. Go ahead. Good morning. This is Leila L., I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from Nampa, Idaho, and these are the 12 steps of OA. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, may direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. 10, continue to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, 
promptly admitted it. 11. Sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. And 12. Having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all of our affairs. Thank you for letting me be of service. Thank you, Leela. I will now ask for Mary Lou G to read the 12 traditions. Go ahead, Mary Lou. Yes, good morning. Um, the 12 traditions. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop compulsively eating. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other OA um, other groups of OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, Every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. 11, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, and other means of communication. 12, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all of our traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you for letting me do service today. Thank you so much, Mary Lou. Okay. I bet you all want to know how our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and the literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. If you go over, you'll hear me say time. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year, and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. Again, this meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute your phone. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass. Then press star one to mute your phone again. In order to have a quiet meeting, 
everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. Today we resume our study in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We are in the forward to the second edition, page XVIII, the first paragraph, unpacking that one paragraph only. And I'm going to ask Jen A to get us started. Go ahead, Jen, looking forward. Thanks, Amy. Good morning, this is Jen A, recovered in Colorado. In the spring of 1940, John D. Rockefeller Jr. gave a dinner for many of his friends to which he invited AA members to tell their stories. News of this got out on the world wires. Inquiries poured in again and many people went to the bookstores to get the book, Alcoholics Anonymous. By March 1941, the membership had shot up to 2,000. Then Jack Alexander wrote a featured article in the Saturday Evening Post and placed such a compelling picture of AA before the general public that alcoholics in need of help really deluged us. By the close of 1941, just in one year later, AA numbered 8,000 members. The mushrooming process was in full swing. AA had become a national institution. Um, Why is this important? paragraph important for me to read and to understand well the whole second edition is important right i know a miracle's taken place i know there's hope people recovered there's still important events that are yet to come um you know a spiritual experience they even talk about that um, we carry this message and we carry this message um you know and it's it's other people that helped the mushrooming process of aa um rockefeller um, you know, he had a dinner for alcoholics. There wasn't any alcohol there from, from the history and the readings that I'm aware of. Um, but what did he do? He wanted people to tell their stories. Um, today, you know, it's just like the process that we do today. What do we do? The special edition. People tell their stories. Somebody qualifies at a meeting. It tells their story. It helps other people to identify in. And when I can tell my story, then what happens? Other people hear it and they go, oh, me too. Yeah, that's me. And so that's why the membership shot up, 2,000, 8,000, you know, the Saturday Evening Post article. And you're thinking to yourself, well, why don't we do this today? You know, I love that they put the history in there. Um, Because if they had kept doing that, what would have happened? Um, We're going to continue to read on in the paragraphs um, preceding this one in the next couple of days. Um, But that's why we have um, the traditions. Uh, You know, and so I think it's really important to know the history, um, to learn the history, uh, and to know the traditions, at least for me. Once once I became recovered, I really went back and I started to dig a little bit deeper to start um, making, the big book started to come a little bit more alive for me with the stories and the history. Um, All I need to know here is that I am required to tell my story. That's what this tells me. And when I do so, then in turn, that helps others. So this big burst of publicity back in 1940 to 1941, think about the big burst of publicity that's just happened in 2020 and 2021. The ability to speak worldwide on the web via Zoom. You know, I used to think it was great that we could fly city to city and and I flew to so many cities for retreats and got to meet people all over the United States. But I've met so many new people and I've been able to talk to so many other people and other more people have been reached since the World Wide Web has come about. So history has its place and, and, its, and its position in the making, and I'm so glad that we don't leave this out because it's so important that we be able to tell our story. Um, the, 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 the reminder for me is where do I tell my story? 
how much do I say and who is my audience? Thanks for letting me share and I'll pass. Thank you so much, Jen A. Way to get us started. Okay. Although we value everyone's experience, strength, and hope, we do ask that if you shared in the last couple of days, like Monday or last Friday, that you allow others to share their experience, strength, and hope too, please. Okay, who would like to share on what was read? First name, first initial of last name. Lee H. Christina J. Ken W H. Christina J. Ken W H. I missed someone else after Christina J. Lassa O. Lassa O. Melissa C. Okay, Melissa C. I have Lee H. Christina J. Ken W H. Vasa O. Melissa C. There might have been someone else I missed. Anybody else? Linda D. Linda. Okay, gotcha. Abby S. Abby S. Okay. All right. It's a good group to start. Lee H., Christina J., Ken W. H., Vasa O., Melissa C., Linda D., and Abby S. Okay. Lee H., you're up. Well, good morning. Thank you so much, moderator. And this is Lee H. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from Tennessee. And um, I did read this paragraph yesterday, knowing we were going to be talking about it this morning, which really helps me to do that. And uh, I was reading about this Jack Alexander, who wrote the Saturday Evening Post article about AA and just how he traveled to the different groups and personally, he wasn't—he had a hard time convincing himself until he went to his hometown. I believe it was in St. Louis, where he uh, went to a meeting and had some—he knew some people in the meeting, and he saw the change in them, and he was totally convinced. And it, it's a—it's a really compelling article, and it just reinforces to me that the voices that I hear on this line, even though I can't be face-to-face, but thankfully I can be on Zoom now, but it is such a compelling thing to see people who are recovered, who have absolutely received this miracle of abstinence and through their higher power, just how their higher power is working in their lives and how they're helping to change other people's lives. And it it's just it's a story that we just need to keep keep hearing about and keep telling others about our stories and i have a story now i'm so thankful for what my higher power is doing in my life and how he's delivered me from chronic relapsing and just to see how i can be of help to somebody else so thank you so much for letting me share and i'll pass thank you lee all right Christina J., followed by Ken W.H. Good morning. Christina J. from the state of Washington. I've been thinking about the last couple of paragraphs we've read. And what I feel in these paragraphs is desperation of these frantic inquiries. Just from an article, Alcoholics and God. What an interesting thing that would bring in 800 frantic inquiries and then in the next 
paragraph that we're reading today, um, a big dinner and the stories that were told and the news got out and inquiries poured in, poured in again. Um, and it's just, I just, I know how desperate I was. And I, it took me a long time to get this, but I was desperate from the beginning. I just couldn't figure out. You know, I didn't put myself into this work. I didn't, I didn't try to do this. I, I didn't seem to have a means to get a big book meeting like Vision to a big book meeting like Vision. And when I got to Vision, um, I started to pour myself into this because I heard recovery. I heard stories that meant something to my gut. God kept me in this long enough, in this desperate state, and I had to exhaust all means of figuring this thing out. All means, and, but yet I knew there was people out there that had this message. And I'm sure some of these guys, they came in, they, they heard a little bit of it, and they went back out just like me. But the thing is, is this thing grew and grew, and vision, vision is growing and growing. The stories like Jen A. talked about pull us in because it's our stories. Um, and I love this, the general public, uh, that alcoholics in need really deluged us, in need. We're in need, and there's so many people out there in need. I'm working with someone right now that's desperate, desperate to put the food down, and I can't give it to her, but she has to continue to get desperate. So she has that moment where she walks away from the food. And you know what she's doing? She's trying. She's listening. She's hearing the stories. She's hearing the hope and the recovery in this room. And that's what this uh, this group did early on, and that's what Vision did for me and is doing for hundreds and hundreds of others. I just think, like I've heard on this line, this is just the renaissance of OA, and I'm just so grateful to be a part of it. I don't have to be desperate anymore, but I still feel that desperation in my gut. Um, I do have a built-in reminder of the way I felt in those last relapses, and it just has never left me. It's desperate and dying, and just I, I had to throw myself in as hard as I could. So thank you for letting me share. I pass. All righty. Thank you so much, Christina J. Ken W.H., step up to the mic. Thank you. This is Ken W.H. Uh, from Cary, North Carolina. Thank you. Um, grateful to be here this morning. Um, what a reading. Uh, yeah, the history is so critically important and remembering um, the miraculous way this kind of all came together. I'm always struck by the language of the book, and I find that incredibly refreshing at times. Um, I love the way in this particular paragraph it's, it uses the term um, news of this got on the world wires. Uh, what does that mean to uh, <laughs> those of us who now live in a wireless society? And um, that just explains how long ago this was and what, what, they, were, what they had available to uh, spread this word. We have, I have so many, so many uh, <laughs> tools in my hands to, to pass along experience, strength, and hope. It's incredible. They had wires, worldwide wires and ticker tapes and all that kind of stuff. It's, it's just amazing. And it exploded tenfold in a year. Uh, it just, and from there, it's just enormous, enormous uh, growth just by people telling their stories. And 
passing it on, passing it, you know, paying it forward, as they say. Um, what a, what a gift this is that it got paid forward to someone like me and the rest of us. I'm just so grateful uh, to be a part of this uh, this program. And I also like the way the use of the words poured into that these requests poured into uh, the office and, and how how fitting for alcoholics to be able to relate to that word of pouring it in. Uh, I don't know what it would have said if it was just for OA, but but it's just the idea that these words and, and, and the experiences of all the folk that came before us just all fits together, and it still continues to have the same power and impact on me that it had um, 80 years ago. Uh, I'm, I'm just struck. I, I love the language. That, that makes me think back and be aware of what the situation was like then and what it's like today and that I get to be a part of it. Just incredible. Thanks so much, Pat. Thank you so much, Ken. Okay, Vasa O, followed by Melissa C. Go ahead, Vasa. Step on up. Thank you. Good morning, everyone. Vasa, grateful, recovered, compulsive, Ovita, calling from Florida. Thank you, everybody's service this morning. And I love the stories. I loved hearing the stories, and I loved reading the stories. Um, I was just so excited, excited, you know, living my life in despair with the food addiction for so many years, and finally coming to the program and and hearing about the solution. I was just so excited. I was really so excited. And, um, yeah, we had, uh, I was, yeah, somebody gave me the big book. And at first I couldn't identify it because I said, well, I'm not an alcoholic, I'm food addict, you know, which I didn't even know. I even was food addict. I didn't understand eating disorders. So my sponsor said, well, scratch um, alcohol and just put food on the top. And then I started having compassion for the alcoholic because I had the same disease. I could not stop. Like some of them tried you know, to stop and they couldn't, you know, and some of them stayed in the programs and worked the programs, and um, they shared their experience with others, and I, that's how I could identify. So I started having a lot of compassion for other people that struggle with other addiction, not just with the food addiction. But I remember reading the stories. I could not go in the back of the big book and reading the people's stories, and we also had the we have the brown book in Overeaters Anonymous. And I could, of course, I could, I could identify with them more and better because they were really talking about the food, the struggles with the food addiction. So, But I love the history, and I'm just so grateful that God inspired these people to put this big book together and everything, all the literatures that we have in OA, the 12 steps and tools, whatever, you know, it was all good. But number one, I remember hearing the first edition, how the men, of 100 men and women, recovered. And I wanted to do what they did. And I was eager, and I was open-minded, and I was really willing because I did not want to die. So this is what I do. My mission is to, to tell my story my experience 
to others how I've been able to recover. And there's no end. There's, there's no end to the 12 steps. There's no end doing what we're doing. We continue, finish the re- at the end, and we start all over again. So that's my, my, that is my mission, to help others with any kind of addictions that we go through. Okay, you're living with an alcoholic. There's a 12-step program for that. Thank you very much. If you're living with, if you're an adult child, there's another program for that. But I love the big book step study. That's the, my best. Thank you for letting me share, and I pass. Thank you, Lassa. Melissa C. followed by Linda D. Go ahead, Melissa. Your turn. Hey, good morning, Amy. Thank you so much for your great service this morning. My name is Melissa C. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. I live in New York, and you know. I think about these guys that show up for this dinner. I try to, like, envision what, what's that like, you know. I would imagine that they put on their, you know, nice suits and they put themselves together and they showed up, you know, looking clean, right, fresh-eyed and sober and um, and a demonstration of what recovery looks like, you know. And then they would open up their mouths and tell their story and it's like, wait a second, you know, you did what? And that's just how I picture it because that's what it was like for me walking into a meeting of Overeaters Anonymous and seeing people who looked amazing and out of their mouths came came a hot mess. And, and I was like, whoa, that's my story. How, how are they out there telling my story? And so think about myself when I show up at any event, you know, any place. Um, I don't necessarily get invited to a dinner to tell my story, um, but I've had the, you know, the beautiful honor of being invited places to tell my story, and, and that I do happily, but I also go to a lot of, you know, family gatherings, social gatherings, and, and I remember, like, you know, early on in recovery, I was losing weight, like, really quick, and I would, it was exciting to show up someplace, you know, looking smaller and looking better, and I would get, on one hand, I would get, like, um, excited, you know, and, and nervous when people mentioned my weight loss and, and would look at my plate, and sometimes I would get defensive and uncomfortable, and why do they keep talking about it? But then if they didn't say anything, I was upset, too. You know, it was like a no-win situation. And then it really, you know, kind of came to me, I think with the help of my sponsor and lots of quiet meditation, that I had a responsibility that if God was, you know, in charge of the restructuring of my body, which that's what it means to be abstinent, no longer dieting, but putting God in charge, following a healthy food plan, then it is my obligation to tell the truth about what's getting me here. And when people notice, then I must give credit where credit is due. And and so that's how I tell my story. I think I'm a lucky person. I'm blessed because I wear my recovery. It's very visible. People who know me, you know, from years ago, um, it's I look very different. And when I'm asked, I used to say things like, well, you know, I just eat right and move more. And that's a lie. I don't say that anymore. I tell the truth. You know, I, I boldly tell the truth because I don't know who they know. You know, I don't know if I'm telling the story to them if they've got a secret and I just don't know it. 
or if they're married to someone, or if their daughter has this problem. And so I think, you know, it is a beautiful responsibility and one I don't take lightly, and I'm just really grateful. I'm grateful for those people who bravely told their story, and I'm, and I'm happy to do so. Thanks for that all time. Thank you so much, Melissa C. All right, Linda D., you're up, followed by Abby S. Linda, your turn. Morning, Amy. Hi, everybody. It's Linda D. in Connecticut. I'm so happy to be here. I'm so relieved to have a wonderful place to come home to. Beside my house, in my head, it's a great place to come home to. And that's a lot of it is because of you, all of you. I learned so much, and maybe I teach something. I hope so. I hope it helps. Um, I came into OA in November of 1982, and that's um, half my lifetime. And uh, all that we had at that meeting was people who told their stories, and they weren't real polite about it. (laughs) It wasn't uh, like a vision for you meeting where everybody is very helpful and uh, most people are. Um, it was uh, tough. And uh, you take the cotton out of your ears and put it in your mouth and get in the car. We're going to a meeting. And I needed that. It was uh, helped along by AA, a couple of AA guys. Um, the one thing that we did have that was even more powerful than the stories was the big book. That was all we had and a few pamphlets, and uh, it saved my life because it's the truth. It is the truth. Um, And by um, doing the work, doing the steps to the best of my ability with a a capable sponsor who is abstinent, I'm here today. Visions didn't exist. A lot of stuff didn't exist. But God existed. I didn't know that and didn't care. One way or the other. Just wanted to look good and stop being in agony. And now I'm not in agony and I look damn good. And I didn't do it. God did. And all of you help me to apply what I am learning and to be centered in the truth. So whatever you call uh, your higher power, it's the truth. And how to get to it is in the book. So that's what I do, and I must have an open mind. Absolutely do not know what's going to happen today and listen inside as well as outside to other people, inside, so I can hear the guidance that is there for me underneath the wreckage, all the human junk that's such a pain in the ass. So thank you so much just for loving me because I love you. Bye. Thank you so much, Linda. All right. Now, before we get going to our last, uh, this round, Abby S., thank you all. Awesome shares. Let's keep it going. We are, friendly reminder, on page XVIII, uh, first paragraph, reading that one paragraph only in the spring of 1940, John D. Rockefeller, yada, yada, yada. So if you would like to share, get ready. And now we're going to move on to Abby F. Please go ahead, Abby. Hello. Good morning, Abby S. 
recovered in Michigan. Grateful to be here. Thanks so much for all the shares. And um, what this is reminding me of is just the importance of hearing it from someone who's been through it. Um, it reminds me of frothy emotional peel seldom suffices. And, you know, I knew that what I was doing was wrong, but I had never heard anyone tell the same story. And so I remember going to my first OA meeting and like just sobbing because I was hearing people talk about like specific things that they did with food. And I had never heard those things before from someone else. Um, you know, I had other people telling me that certain behaviors and yeah, certain behaviors were, were wrong, but I hadn't heard it from like the point of like an I statement. Like I, I identify with people when they share from a, a standpoint of I and um, there's no pressure in that. Like when someone shares, like it's up to me whether I identify or not. And so there, it doesn't feel like pressure, like someone's calling me out about something. Um, and, you know, I also am thinking of just sharing with others my story. Like it is a blessing, those things that I have been extremely ashamed of in my past have have honestly become like really wonderful assets that I can share with other people that like creates intimacy and helps the identification and um early on uh there's you know when I was doing my fifth step there was always like this one thing I never wanted to share and um you know when I identify with people like through a fifth step, like, I don't know, just things have become easier to share. And in in those things becoming easier to share, I've found like relief from these things that have held me in bondage for all these years. Like the secrets that kept me sick are now so easily able to be shared. And there's such freedom and release in that. And I'm just so grateful for this process. And um, to be here, and I too second like the the gr uh, gratitude for Zoom, and you know, like when the pandemic hit, like vision for you was like I was already I already did like you know the special edition podcast, and I was already doing vision for you, and so it didn't affect my program in OA um, as much, and so um, yeah, a lot of different thoughts I was having this morning about that. So that's all I have. Thanks for letting me share and I pass. Thank you so much, Abby S. Okay, so we're ready to take some more names of those who would like to share. Please go ahead. Anita L. Janice C. Anita L. Janice C. This is Larry K. Larry, gotcha. Anybody else? KDF. Katie. Gotcha. Got time for a few more. Okie dokie. 
another great group. Anita L, Janice P. Okay, Nancy P. P. Gotcha. Oh, B. P is in pony. Yes, P. <laughs> I actually was saying P and I wrote down B. Okay, got it. All right, Anita L, Janice T, Larry K, Katie F, Nancy P. All right, Anita, please go ahead. Good morning, everybody. This is Anita L from outside of Philadelphia. Uh, living in this solution today, thank you, God. Uh, it's a miracle for me to be able to say that. I'm about to cry. It's just, it's so beautiful, you guys. Uh, what I was thinking of is that, you know, the Saturday Post wrote this story about Rockefeller and carried the message of AA and I was um, I was 16 and overweight my whole life and my mother's friend told her about Overeaters Anonymous and maybe I might want to go and I asked a friend who was heavier than I than me um, if she knew anything about it. And she said, yeah, I went to one meeting, but they talked about God there. And I said, forget that. So I needed seven more years of experimenting and overeating and living in a state of hell and self-hate and guilt and remorse. And finally, I was in graduate school and living with a woman who um, was my roommate going to nursing school and she was in her psych rotation in nursing school and she just like the media presented in the post she gave me the Philadelphia Inquirer and there was a story of a man who had gone to the same weight loss program five times just as I had gone five times and uh, he just couldn't get it just as I, and just as, you know, I I felt like such a failure. Why? Why all these years can I do it? Because I was trying to control. I was dieting. And then he went to an OA meeting, and he wrote, and I felt like I was home. And you guys, my very first meeting, I felt that same way and still do today. And I was 23 when I went to my first meeting, and I will be 68 in August. And that is just shows you, uh, next month will be 45 years. I'm in Overeaters Anonymous, thank you God. And it has brought me to other 12-step programs to help me to go deep within and to become free. And yesterday I had my sisters and mother over for lunch and my mother was sitting next to me, and she said to me, boy, you really have made up your mind not to be fat, okay, fat anymore. I'll just finish real fast. And I said, no, and, and she, she recognized the difference. That's, that's the thing. She saw my sincerity in wanting to be and stay well and carry God's message. That's why I wanted to share. Thank you. I pass. Mm. Okay, thank you, Anita L. Janice C., you're up, followed by Larry K. 
Good morning. This is Shanna C. from Tennessee, Grateful Recovered Compulsive Overeater through God's grace. And I just want to quickly share um, that if it wasn't for someone actually on this meeting, Janice, we lost you. Looks like the volume went down all of a sudden. Janice? Janice, we can't hear you. Janice? Oh, I'm so sorry. We can't hear you, Janice. Are, are you there? Do you want to circle back? I'll come back to you. I don't know what happened, but the volume went down. It sounded like you were way, way down a tunnel. But if you can fix it up, come on back. We'll, I'll check back with you, okay? All right, Larry K. Larry, Larry, your turn. Amy, Amy, how are you? Good morning. I'm Larry K., a recovered compulsive breeder from Chicago. I'll set my timer here. You know, when we when we uh, hear about all these, I think this program, it, it, it just came together in such a divinely inspired way. There's so many different circumstances that in different occurrences that we read about and we study each morning about our history and how it all came together. And I, I just come to believe that it's, it's uh, divine in nature. But, but at the core of it all, you know, we, we have been, I've been reading and thinking about the quiet ego, you know, because it, it does talk about the ego needing to be smashed and so forth. And yet, yet nonetheless, we, we have an ego. And I feel like, the, you know, the self can be our greatest resource, but it also can be our darkest enemy. You know, because on, on the one hand, you know, the fundamental, you know, human capacity for self-awareness and self-reflection and self-control are, are, are essential things. You know, they're critical things. And yet, on the other hand, the self, at least in my experience, has a, a desire, this, this perpetual desire to be seen in a positive light. It, the self will, will do anything to disavow responsibility for things. And this is what, you know, my eating and, 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 and other addictions uh, just take over. And that's the ego at work. That noisy ego spends so much time defending itself as, as if it were a real thing. And then when it, whenever it does assert itself, it often inhibits the very goals that we're trying to achieve as human beings. We're trying to be more compassionate, tolerant, loving, kind. So anyways, what does it have to do with our history here? Well, for me, this last minute, I'll, I'll, I'll share that. You know, the, the, the steps were designed to quiet the ego, I think. It's there. It's always going to be there. That's okay. But a quiet ego is definitely not the same thing as a silent ego. Right? There, there's no question about that. But it's this idea of healthy authenticity. It's this idea of a, of a, of a sound connection with the higher power of your own understanding. And I love the steps. Love the steps because they always lead me back. Always lead me back to the idea, the notion of tolerance and compassion and love. That's where the steps lead me. Because when I have a connection to God, boy, am I a better service to people. Not perfect, but I'm a better service to people. And then I'm happier. I'm more fulfilled as a human being. These steps work. This, real, this stuff really works. I am so grateful for the people and the circumstances that God put people in this position to make such a difference with this program. What a wonderful thing we're a part of. 
Thanks, Amy, for your service. I'm going to pass with that. Thank you so much, Larry. Okay, uh, Shanna, Shanna C. Sorry, I thought it was Janice, but it's Shanna. Are you back? Uh, we got your volume figured out. Would you like to chime in? Shanna C. Okay, sorry about that. Technical difficulties for Shanna. Okay, go ahead, Katie F. You're up, followed by Nancy P. Go ahead, Katie. Good morning. This is Katie Upper, recovered compulsive overeater in Virginia. And I just think about, you know, how it would be if we didn't have the traditions and we, you know, were posting on Instagram and Twitter and TikTok, you know, our story with our faces, with our names, with our addresses. And well, we wouldn't put our addresses, but they would find us. And, you know, it would just, it, would, it wouldn't work. <laughs> and so I'm so grateful that we but that we do continue to tell our stories on these lines, on the special editions, on meetings. And, you know, I, um, I can't rest on my laurels and think that that was then, you know, I ate that way back then, but you know, I'm better now and I'm, I'm good. I'm, I'm recovered. And so I don't have to think about that anymore. You know, I can never forget what it was like to be in the grips of this illness. And I remember that because I do share my story with anyone who wants to hear it. And even, you know, I accept invitations to speak and tell my story, um, you know, on meetings here and there, because I don't want to forget what it was like. I cannot forget what it was like when I was in the grips of this illness, because I am recovered, but I'm not cured. I know that there is a three, four, 500 pound person inside of me that could come out um, if I decided that my best idea was to, you know, eat like the Joneses and just eat like everyone else um, and forget about uh, this way of life. And I can't do that today because I'm, I'm only 61, you know, there's people in these rooms that are just coming to these rooms still older than me. Um, I came in, I went to my first meeting when I was 14 years old and I thought it was ridiculous and I left and I didn't come back until I was 21, you know, ripe old age of 21. And even in, in there, I, you know, I just didn't get it. I didn't get the grave nature of this disease and I had to hit a new bottom. I had to hit a deeper, lower bottom that I hit at the age of 27. And since then, I have not had to go back to that insanity. My life is completely different. There's nothing in my life today that is the same as it was um, back then. I wasn't married yet, I didn't have children, I was not financially doing very well and everything has changed but I cannot say that that is because of me. It's because of my higher power. And this program is so beautiful because it encourages us to continue to work with newcomers, to continue to tell our story and to continue to work these steps one day at a time. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you so much, Katie. Okay, Nancy P, please go ahead. Hi, good morning. Oh, good morning. Now, that Thank was you my so much for letting Oh, all right. Well, ahead, set it back Andy, up sorry. because I'm going to start. Okay, exactly. thank you. Nancy P. recovered <laughs> in Western Massachusetts. Thank you for letting me share. You know, in the early days of OA, at least on the East Coast, we needed AA to help us. Um, 
you know, old-timer AAs, John the Indian, Father Fred, these old-timers who really came from the gutter. You know, I mean, especially John the Indian. I mean, he he really came from the gutter. And, um, you know, they helped people, you know, like my own mother and the first OAs here in Massachusetts. You know, John the Indian came to our house and talked about how to set up the machine to get the message to the still-suffering. And in those days, Father Fred was the only one that I knew of that, had, as far as I knew, everybody knew of that could even take a fifth step. Because what did we all know? Um, or, you know, I was a kid, but my, you know, what did my mother know and her friends? They didn't know. It was all like, you know, <laughs> passing it along like drugs. Hey, do you know who can take a fifth step? Yeah, call Father Fred. He's the one. And, um, you know, he helped. He took my own first fifth step. I never I met him that one time and never saw him again, but he did his job gratefully or, you know, generously. I was grateful. But the best thing for me about all this fellowship, about the whole fellowship of Overeaters Anonymous, is that they don't hold a grudge. I spent years between 1971 and 2017 going to meetings, and at the same time, my attitude was, get away from me and leave me alone. And they said, no problem, no problem. But when I was desperate, Beyond help, face down in the mud, with a horse standing on me, that's my new metaphor, I was embraced. I was welcomed. It was like everybody said, join us. We've been waiting for you. I really, I really felt embraced. And, I, you know, I made myself known on this meeting. You know, I, I, I shared who I was. I remember, you know, day after day after day, they'd say, any newcomers? And I'd be like, no, not today, not today. And then one day, you know, walking from my parking spot, to my job, to my office, you know, in the windy streets of Boston, I was like shouting, Nancy B, you know, and they took my number and um, I started to share and, you know, I thought I'd surely lose my voice from talking to other people. I made so many phone calls. And the first time that I got a call from someone who heard something that I said and called me to talk about it for the first time, I felt finally as though I had come home. I felt really that phrase, welcome home, you belong, was for me too. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you so much, Nancy P. Okay. I'm going to make sure to stop my clock now as opposed to in the middle of the next person's share. (laughs) Um, Okay. So we have time for about one more or two, two and a half minute shares. Who would like to chime in? Wrap us up. Maybe Shauna C., if you come back on. Helen C. Helen C. Helen C. Okay. Helen C. Should I go on? Rachel P. And that was Rachel P. Uh huh. Okay, great. So we're going to go Helen C. And then Rachel P. Rhonda S. Rhonda, I don't think we're going to have time. Hopefully, you can get on on the second hour. All right, Helen, go ahead, please. Thank you, Amy. My neighbor, Helen C. from Virginia. Yeah. And uh, yes, and um, this uh, Alcoholics Anonymous started the year I was born. And so I'd like to claim it. So anyway, um, they say that the uh, in the uh, uh, book says that the, the disease is outside the door doing push-ups when you're in the room. And I like to think that the solution was outside the door for me because I've been in here over 40 years 
And uh, once I came in, I never, never left the rooms. But this program, the AA was going on, and then Roseanne started OA six, two years ago. So um, I never came, I came in the rooms. I never, I never left the rooms. But I didn't get abstinence until 2018. I came in the vision 2018, and I got abstinence in 2019. So I didn't give up. And I'm glad that solution was outside the door waiting for me because I, I needed it. And uh, it has been a blessing for me. And uh, I, I uh, had the energy at 87, you know, of a 40-year-old woman because of this program. And I'm happy, joyous, and free just because I, I worked the program according to uh, the big book. I didn't know that was a textbook until I came into t- uh, Vision in 2018. I'm ever grateful for this, pro- the, this meeting and all the shares that I hear. And uh, I hardly miss a meeting. I, I love the shares because it strengthens my program. I don't share that often here. But I, I listen. I'm, I'm listening, and so I just ever grateful uh, for the, uh, the, this book, and this program because it, uh, it has saved my life, and I have uh, a lot more energy because of the fact that I'm not, don't have food thoughts all day long, like I did uh, when I was dieting with, uh, uh, with uh, group support. So thank you all for being here. Thank everyone that gives service. And uh, with that, I will pass. Thank you so much, Helen. Okay, Rachel P. Got two minutes and 15 seconds. Please go ahead. Good morning. This is Rachel P. Recovered Compulsive Overeater in Pennsylvania. And as I read this paragraph, I'm, I'm just thinking about how 12-step AA and other 12-step programs have become you know, broadly known in the general consciousness of of culture, of um, pop culture and, you know, different venues and, you know, nowadays TV and especially in the internet and things like that. Um, and how, you know, this is, this is kind of where it started, how they started to get the word out and thank God we have the conditions now that we can remain anonymous and we can keep our fellowship sacred. Um, you know, and I'm just kind of thinking about my own experience of you know, understanding AA through the game of telephone over decades and decades, you know, and having seen depictions of it, you know, on, on TV and whatnot, and um, the ideas that I thought that I had about it um, and how those had become smashed, um, you know, and, and when I was really, really desperate and I Googled can't stop binge eating and um, OA came up, Overeaters Anonymous, and I hated the name. I wanted nothing to do with it. It didn't sound cool, um, but I went because I needed this solution um, and thank you, God. Thank you, God, because, you know, now I know this program to be, I'm, and I'm getting emotional as I share this, I know this beautiful 12-step program to be a place where I can go and be safe. I'm with people who truly understand me and the nature of my disease. And this is a place where we can feel truly understood. Um, first place I've ever felt like people get me. And that's 
it's such a miracle. It's such a miracle. And I'm so glad I keep coming back. And if you're here, if you're new, and you're not sure if this is a place for you, please just keep coming back because this is such a loving, incredible, wonderful place where we heal together. Thank you. I'll pass. Perfect timing. Thank you so much, Rachel. Okay. Thank you, everyone, to has, who has shared today. What an awesome meeting. Thank you, Team Tuesday and all the readers for your service. Please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following the closing. The share ID for today, Tuesday, March 8th, 2022, 7 a.m. meeting is 18,649. That's 18649. We will now close with a reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Crystal P, could you take us out, please? Hi, good morning. This is Crystal P, Recovered Compulsive Overeater from Toronto, Canada. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit and you will surely meet some of us as you touch the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.